So, Eric, if you were driving down the road and you saw a four-foot-tall frog peeking at you from the underbrush, I freak you out a little bit, right? Um, I'm going to go with yes. Well, legend has it around Loveland, Ohio, they have just such a creature. I've heard some of this. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Loveland frog. Oh, ribbity. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So, Eric, in Ohio folklore, you have a creature called the Loveland Frog, also known as the Loveland Frog Man or the Loveland Lizard. There's a little difference between a well, lizard and a frog. And, and as we go on, you find we, we may find that lizard is more appropriate for this creature. Okay, okay. But basically, this humanoid uh, frog stands about four feet tall and in all respects just resembles a giant, upright, walking bipedal frog. Again, I'm going back to flashbacks of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, yeah. Bullywogs kind of thing. One of my favorite episodes of the animated show involved those creatures. <laughs> so spotted back in the Loveland area, the stories of the Loveland frog kind of go back. I, I think you may have even been able to go back a little further in time than I have, but my, my stories start in the 1950s. I think that's when the uh, alleged first report in Ohio yeah. made history. So the stories begin... Um, in the 1950s, and they all kind of differ from one another. There, there's different variations of the story, shall we say. This one definitely has the feeling of, of an urban legend. They all basically amount to a giant frog-like humanoid causing mischief in the Loveland area. They usually begin with a businessman traveling or, or a traveling Bible salesman. I've heard the Bible salesman one, yes. Um, traveling alone along a dark road. There's a couple different versions of this. The first version is uh, that he's heading out uh, out of the Branch Hill neighborhood. When his headlights shine on a trio of figures. Now, this is know, about like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it'd be or early morning in the dark. But they shine on a trio of figures that, and that are standing erect on their hind legs in the middle of the road. When he, when he sees these figures, he honks and gets the attention of such figures because obviously you don't want to run somebody over in the middle of the road. When one of the figures turns to look at him and gasp, all three are giant frog people. That's creepy. And of course, he, he drives away in a, in a panic. Uh, version two. Very similar. A motorist is driving along when he spots some creatures under the Loveland Bridge that crosses the Little Miami River. He honks his horn to get their attention to find out what they're, what's going on, what are they doing. When one of the creatures comes out from under the bridge real quickly and lands on his hood and croaks loudly and, again, gasp, it's a giant frog man. That's a big frog. <laughs> uh, now, again, the roads and stuff, there's not really... From what I understand with the lore, it's not like it's on Highway 64 no, or no, something. It's, not on, it's, it's kind of vague. Yeah, they're not on main roads. And from what I understand, there's also several bridges. Yes. So it's it's really hard to kind of pinpoint where these are taking place at, yep. but yes. Uh, version 3 happens at the same bridge. This time, the motorist pulls over, and he gets out, and he spots some creatures not too far from him. Uh, they seem to be talking animatedly amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. Th this one's a little different. I love this one. Uh, the driver calls out to them. One gets up. 
kind of makes a hand motion to the others like, okay, hold on a minute. Let, let's shelve this. Let me take your business here. He looks to the driver of the vehicle and, and, and does a series of hand motions that basically amount to, hey, you know, we're trying to talk here. Do you mind? <laughs> and that's when the driver notices these are giant humanoid frogs. You give him the webbed finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting question. About <laughs> if your hands are wet. No, no never mind. Yeah. At this point in time, one of the creatures holds a wand up over its head. I loved this. He flicks the wand. What was it? Wingardium Leviosa style? Yeah, <laughs> and a blaze of firing sparks shoots out towards the driver, uh, at which point the motorist flees the scene and drives off. Now, I'm I'm envisioning like almost like a Roman candle or something. kind of sounds thing. like that. I mean, yeah. uh, so again, that is sort of the original, the original first story start in the 1950s. Uh, and these stories do change. Some versions of the story feature biker gangs. Most most famously, they specifically mention a pack of Hell's Angels that are that are run off by these frogmen. The one which, time when the Hell's Angels were chased off by frogmen. I've watched a lot of documentaries about the Hell's Angels. I, I would think, watch that movie. I don't think some frogmen <laughs> would stop them. But I, I have to say, with the the new insert here of a wand and all this, this definitely, I mean, this is a sci-fi and and some of the people believe this could have been aliens, you know, so we got that real sci-fi kind of tie, well, Twilight Zone-ish kind of thing going a, on. A lot of the times when we talk about weird creatures, you know, like with the Van Meter Visitor, I think, you know, being an alien does come up. I mean, these, yeah. these creatures are clearly not human. Yeah. So what are they? So you start going through uh, the uh, file cabinets of processing, trying to say, what can we assign this to? So in 1972, the legend gained some renewed attention. On March 3rd, uh, 1 a.m., Loveland Police Officer Ray Shockey was driving on Riverside Drive, and he was near the Totes Boot Factory in the Little Miami River. This Little Miami River comes up a lot. Well, it's a, I think the Miami, there's a Little Miami, and if I remember correctly, there's a big Miami River in Ohio, and they're, they're pretty significant waterways for Ohio. It'd be like the Gasconade for our area. Gotcha. You know? Officer Shockey it was driving slowly. There was still ice on the road. This was early March, so it was still you know pretty heavily you know tail end of winter in Ohio. Cold. Uh, when he sees an unidentified animal scurry across the road just in front of his in front of his vehicle, for the brief moment that it was fully illuminated in his headlights, he described a creature that was three to four feet long, uh, maybe fifty to seventy five pounds based on its size, had leathery skin and had a very frog like appearance to it. Uh, he did report that the animal crouched like a frog before it momentarily stood erect to climb over the guardrail and back down towards the river. It's also documented that there were reported scratch marks on the guardrail that the creature crossed now, going down to the Little Miami. I thought that was kind of odd. I mean, obviously, we've got a police officer, so, I mean, that's a pretty reliable source, I would consider, at least in my books. But, yeah, some other officers, I understand, went back to investigate Mr. Shockey's, or Officer Shockey's uh, report. And found scratches. Now, that guardrail yeah. is steel. That is yeah. made to hold cars, you know, from going over the edge. So for something to scratch that, that's pretty intense. Well, you would think pretty strong. Either strong material or a strong creature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but a frog? I mean, you know, <laughs> Kermit the Frog here has scratched the the guardrails and steel it's, as he went across. a little across. bigger than Kermit. Okay, okay. <laughs> So, two weeks after this original sighting, Officer Mark Matthews reports seeing a similar ident unidentified creature uh, injured uh, laying out on the pavement as he's on patrol. So, again, this I thought was interesting. Just two weeks later, yep. right after the first one in 1972. So, Matthews, he gets out of his vehicle, and as he's approaching the creature, it kind of lurches up, still kind of hunched over. He says it's in a crouched position, but it's clearly not 
But again, dead. I mean, if it is winter, any amphibian, whether it be frog, lizard, I mean, they're going to be moving pretty slow. All right. I, I feel obligated to correct you on amphibian, and you said lizard. Oh, that would be a reptile. That would be a reptile. My bad. Back to <laughs> we science want, class. We want to keep our science good here on the podcast. <laughs> so anyway, it, it's kind of crouched over in this frog-like, you know, shape. And and as he approaches it, it it jumps up and approaches the guardrail. And, and again, it's, it's going to head back over to the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it does, he takes a shot at it because... That's, I think we covered that last time. It's that's going to be our new motto this yeah. year, I think. If you, if you don't know what it is, just shoot it. <laughs> but he takes a shot at it with his ro- with his service revolver, and then it just it just takes off and hops over the guardrail and disappears into the the night. So you have two police officers in the same time frame. I had he actually shot it and threw it in the back of the trunk. Now, see, there there's two different versions of this story. Oh. Um, now, version one is that he shot at it and it disappears into the night. Okay. However. In 1999, during local media interviews, Officer Matthews explains that the story as he originally reported it had changed over the years. He he says that the official version is that he shot the animal, he recovered the body, and he put it in his trunk. Okay. Because he thought that this thing he had seen was clearly the same thing that Shockey had seen. And within and two wanted, weeks of it, yeah. He wanted to make sure that, that Shockey you know, knew that the creature had been taken care of. Now, according to Matthews, the creature was a large iguana between three and three and a half feet long. And he was not immediately recognized as an iguana because it was missing its tail. And that makes sense. Again, this is winter time in Ohio. I mean, maybe the creature lost its tail to frostbite, whatever. And iguanas actually can and do lose their tails and they regrow yeah. them. So, uh, it was, ex- it was speculated at the time that the iguana had been someone's pet. And it either got loose or was released when it grew too large. Yeah, three to four foot iguana. Yeah. That's going to be taking up some space. So Shockey was shown the dead iguana, and he confirmed that it was that he thought that was the same creature he had yep, seen. Yep, that's on the what night. I saw. And uh, he also did another interview with with an author of a book of urban legends, and he even said about the author at the time that he quote omitted the part that confirmed that the creature was an iguana rather than a frogman. Mm. So it sounds like Officer was it Officer Matthews there. He shot and killed the creature, but it wasn't a frogman. And it was it was something different. And again, a lot of these cases of, of strange and unusual creatures, you know, I don't want to say that we can chalk them all up to misidentification, but in this case, I would say it's it's pretty well confirmed. Well, that would be a, a less common creature to spot in well, Ohio, yeah, in especially Ohio. in the wild. Yeah, you don't see a lot of and, tailless iguanas running around. I mean, around. a three to four foot iguana without a tail. Without a tail. That's would, a big iguana. That would be kind of creepy, especially, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning when you're out uh, cruising I, the highway. I probably should have done more research, but I don't know how big an iguana can be. So I think about four foot or so would be kind of the maximum. Our son, Alex, uh, he's actually had a couple of them. Now, they never grew that big, of course. But I will tell you, even when they're about a foot long, that tail can whip and it hurts. They got some power (laughs) with that tail. So, yeah, three or four foot iguana. Well, let me kind of steal the limelight from you, and I'll take us forward to a couple more recent sightings of the Frogman. Because according to a lot of people, that was the end of it. I mean, we shot, killed the Frogman. It's over. However, in August of 2016, we'll call it the Pokemon incident. Uh, There was a young couple that was out playing the popular Pokemon Go game, and they were hunting uh, a Pikachu, actually, between Loveland Madeira Road and uh, Lake Isabella. 
when they came across a real-life monster that did not fit in their pocket. I think at the time they even said that this was a real monster. This wasn't a Pokemon that we were after. This is no Pokemon here. They attempt to snap some photos on their phone, and they do get a little bit and maybe even a little video clip. However, the photo and video was pretty poor quality. I think it was like at dusk, so you kind of had that grainy look. Well, the, the photos are online to see if you, if you look them up. They are very, I mean... You couldn't get a fuzzier picture if you had 10 Bigfoots in that picture. Yes. <laughs> and it appeared to be literally like two bright, shining, almost flashlights. I'm going to go out of here on a limb and, and say like taped to the top of a beach ball. <laughs> I mean, it was that kind of quality. And with a frog, the anatomy of a frog, the eyes aren't positioned on the top of the head so dramatic. I, I, it didn't leave me to be a believer. I'll just, I'll just say that. But well, well, depending on on what you have for this story, I do have a little addendum towards the end that might help explain some things. So okay, well, I was going to talk about the 2020 TikTok version. Well, well, if you're done with yeah, yeah. So with this 2016 story, uh, Stan Jacobs and his girlfriend were the ones that saw it and said it crossed the train tracks and then went down the banks of Lake Isabella. Uh, in his own words, quote: "We saw a huge frog near the water. Not in the game." This was an actual giant frog. Then the thing stood up and walked on its hind legs. I realize this sounds crazy, but I swear on my grandmother's grave, this is the truth. And, and so it was the, like wading through the water and stuff. And at the time, he, he believed he had actually seen this crazy big humanoid frog. And, you know, Legends of the Loveland Frog, I guess they went home, told their parents what they saw. And then, uh, you know, Jake, Sam's dad was like, oh, no, have you not heard of the Loveland Frog? Is that not something? I mean, I would assume that the Loveland Frog is pretty common for the area. Now, unfortunately, for the purposes of our story, it was later revealed by a local student that they had made this costume, this homemade Loveland Frog costume, and went out there, and they were just kind of waiting for someone to show up. Uh, and they were from the Archbishop Moeller High School in the area. Yes. And they did cop to, you know, fabricating this this costume, so... And there was another one of that incident that actually uh, was my 2020 TikTok. Okay, well... One more thing about the 2016, apparently Officer Matthews called the uh, TV station after they ran the story on the frog to once again tell his story and say, look, there was never a Loveland frog. It was a giant iguana. And I killed it. <laughs> and I shot it dead. So, uh, But I had not found the 2020 story. Yes, it was actually in 2020. Um, now, the names were removed from the article that I found, uh, so it's, it's pretty vague. But in 2020, one of uh, the Internet's TikTok personalities uh, who lives in the area stated he'd always been obsessed with the Loveland frog as a matter of fact he'd, he'd kind of idolized it uh, you know as to your point he grew up around it he'd heard the stories of it so he often kind of referred to it well on one in, uh, in particular time he received a notification from a man he said we will just call Dave now Dave uh, stated he knew where the Loveland frog actually lived and he invited the TikTok personality, who did not give his name, to go and check it out. If he was truly a fan of the Loveland Frog, uh, he would be sure to be surprised and not let down. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the TikTok personality took off. And this was at a bridge tunnel. And from what I understood, it was uh, nearby the lake or the river going over it. But it was kind of like for bikers and stuff to ride over. And the vague pictures that I saw, the tunnel was, you could probably stand up in it and walk through it. You know, it was pretty good size. But uh, he states that he is still utterly haunted to this day for what he saw that lurked in the darkness when he shined his flashlight up in there. Now, of course, you immediately start getting pulled down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, this is getting interesting. <laughs> 
Well, then he figured out that it was a man in a furry frog outfit <laughs> standing in the tunnel, wet, uh, water dripping, I'm assuming. You know, it's there by the river, maybe wading in the water. And now real kind of self-preservation checks in and he's like, oh my gosh, someone's lured me here to kill me. He probably has a gun and he's going to shoot me. So he immediately just turned, screaming I, like a girl probably, would, and took off running. I would say in that case, shooting is probably best case scenario. There's yeah. all kinds of awful things that might happen. <laughs> well, anyhow, this person dressed in a fluffy frog costume, <laughs> cosplaying, I guess, eventually chased after him, probably scaring him even more, uh, but started talking to him he removed his mask and you know hey calm down calm down calm down so anyhow they the two got to talking and i think this was maybe the following day after he went home and changed his pants i'm sure um <laughs> uh, but the man in the suit he sat down and he said uh, he was a member of the school that you mentioned and that the frogman much like the tiktok personality had always been a fabled iconic image to him like a mascot and that uh, he, for one, was a very firm believer. And not only did he believe there was a frogman, but as in the original story, there were multiple frogmen as the three standing on the side of the road and the one with the magic wand and uh, all of this. So he was, in his way, paying tribute of cosplaying. And he said he would do this about once a week and often hang out in tunnels and bridges and near the river just to give people that drove by, you know, to keep that legend alive, you know, shock be, factor. Wouldn't that be counterproductive? I, I mean, think if that's you like people to believe you or me the- dressing up in an ape outfit and wandering through southwest Missouri forests leaving big tracks. First of all, you'd be lucky if you didn't get shot. Around here, yeah. But second of all, you know, again, doesn't that kind of tarnish the legacy of what you're trying to honor? I mean, if... yeah. You're definitely you weathering proving, and chipping away yeah, at the at the legend there. by dressing up as the frog that you you know you're not you're definitely helping chip away like you said at, at the legend. Yeah, yeah. but uh, in in his mind, you know, he says I choose to cosplay as the frogman to help fulfill the legacy until the real frogman appears again. <laughs> well, I hope the real frogman shows and kicks this guy's ass with that magic wand. Yes, <laughs> shoots sparks <laughs> at him or whatever levitates him off the ground. Now, to your point earlier, I mean the frogman. Uh, maybe not everybody has heard of the Frogman, especially if you're not from the Ohio area, but uh, several references have been made through moving TV history and stuff. Uh, James Renner's science fiction mystery novel, The Man from Primrose Lane, features a version of the Loveland Frog. There is a Matt Roberts uh, horror fiction anthology called Little Horror Stories for the Soul. Uh, he also features... Gotta find that book. That, that sounds, sounds good. good. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it all fe- also features a fictional version of the story. And then there is a Chick Chapman's young adult novel called Camp Cryptid, which features the Loveland Frog. In May 2014, they debuted a, a musical. I heard this. And I love the title of it. Please say it. Hot diggity dog. It's the Loveland, Loveland Frog. Frog. <laughs> <laughs> Roll with it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Uh, I know they, as of last year, they started having a yearly Loveland Frogman kayak race in the area, too. So well, That's an interesting concept. Yeah, you know, we talk about festivals for all these monsters. Well, now they're, it seems like Loveland seems to be embracing their local frog. So I wonder if the furry cosplayer, like, is in the river and chasing the kayakers and they have to paddle faster. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some dude in a frog costume chasing these guys down He's the river. Hot diggity dog, it's a Loveland frog. <laughs> <laughs> So before we started here, I think you said you had found some Native American lore that kind of helped maybe. It, well, you, you know me, I'm the historian. I, I like to try to go back and I'm like, 
you know, I wonder if 1955 was actually the first incident. And if you dig deep enough, you can find some of the Native American tribes around that area also did refer to a frog man, frog-like creature. Um, there was two versions that I found. Both of them stood erect on the, on their hind legs. In one, it was a fierce fighter. Uh, like it would attack some of the, uh, the Native American tribe members. Uh, it would hunt them. Uh, there was some uh, stories of basically where like three or four Native American Indians had fought with one of these and they scampered away and ran. I mean, that, that type of a terrifying three to four foot frog. So the, that version doesn't have any levels in wizard. So for wand usage. No wizardry at this point in time. <laughs> it had not went to uh, Hogwarts yet. <laughs> yet there was another uh, Native American tale, which... I always go back to Dungeons and Dragons and I know you can relate and hopefully some of our listeners at least can, (laughs) but it was more of like a druid protector of the waterways, uh, around in that area and very revered, just total opposite, not, not ferocious or violent at all. However, would make itself known like if settlers were starting to come into the area to kind of ward them away to protect, you know, the kind of the native American aspects and, and the wildland. So I thought that was at least interesting. Now, of course, it's very vague. There's no dates, but I mean, it, there was some mentions in that area of uh, of Loveland with the Native American tribes that, I mean, way predate 1955. Well, there's a professor of folklore from the University of Cincinnati named Ed, Edgar Slotkin. And uh, he, he says that the Loveland frog story is sort of a recurring thing for the area. Uh, been, and it's been passed down for decades Mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned, but that sightings seem to come in predictable cycles. And I know we've talked in other podcasts about the, you know, the native Americans and their beliefs. And, and, you know, I think Oklahoma octopus is another good one to look at where you, you have a creature that clearly doesn't belong, but then you have a native history, a native tradition goes back of, of a creature yeah, of a creature like that in the area. So, you know, the 1950 stories definitely sound like they're, uh, you know, the beginnings of a good urban legend, uh, the seventies sightings, we can chalk up to the iguana and then the later sightings here in the last 10 years sound like a kid in a costume trying to freak people out. But, you know, you go back and there is a tradition in the native folklore of the area, obviously, that they had creatures like this that they believed in. Mm-hmm. And I've always been one of those people that say even in folklore, everything's got to be at least partially inspired by something. So I always I always like to believe that when we talk about things like that, that maybe there is, you know, maybe there's, there's, there's some something to there. It. Yeah, there's a seed of truth there from, you know, most tales. And I, I will say like the 70, 1972 um, reports, the two of them there, there was within two weeks. Both of those were police officers. I mean, pretty reliable sources. But I have to wonder, had that incident took place at another location, would it have even, you know, been recorded? It was an iguana. But because the legend of the Frogman was there, you know, then obviously that kind of tied to it. And I'd say that's exactly what occurred with the two police officers is most likely it was just a wild iguana that got turned loose. And it's an out of place creature. It doesn't belong there. So you're going to see something that doesn't belong. I'm sure those guys were familiar with the local wildlife. If they'd seen something that belonged in the area, they would have known. Yeah. Yeah. They saw something weird. And like you said, it matched the local story. And they were just like, hey, it's the Loveland Frog. Hey, we found it again. You know, uh, again, we talk about Sandhill Cranes and the Mothman and, you know, mangy coyotes and Chupacabra. So those those sightings, you know, if you see the wrong thing in the wrong place and it just doesn't belong. It doesn't compute. Doesn't process. Yeah. you And you go back to your folklore. You say, oh, well, crap, that was the Loveland Frog. 
So, um, not quite the same, but, but Eric, I don't know if you have any stories similar. You ever been out driving late at night and seen something you couldn't quite explain? Well, I, I've seen some things, but I did later explain them, but it sure ran a lot of questions through my mind at the time. I've got a couple stories, and, and while not directly related to the Loveland Frog, I mean, I've been to Ohio quite a few times. I don't know that I've been in the Loveland area. But even here locally, I've got some stories that I figure kind of fit in with this. You know, I, I do like the idea of driving by and seeing something weird. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just figured I could tack them in here. Uh, so a lot of these stories will begin with, so I had this friend, Zach, and and I've probably brought Zach say, up. I've heard Zach's name a lot. <laughs> probably brought, brought Zach up on the podcast before. But uh, there's plenty of times him and I would just drive around late at night, just, just killing time. I wouldn't say cruising. Cruising implies that you're driving around in town you know, cruising for chicks or whatever. That's not what we were doing. Were backwoods cruising. We were, yeah, we were on gravel <laughs> roads and side roads. But I remember one time we were driving and I was in the passenger seat. He was driving and I was talking to him. I was looking at him and we drove by. We're on this gravel road, nothing but fields on either side. And as we drive by, we see something. I see something white out of the driver's side window. Now, if you're familiar with the movie Critters, mm-hmm. I would say it was the size of a large critter which is kind of a weird measurement. Again, I'm American. I'll do whatever it takes not to use the metric system. It was the size of a large critter. And we drive for, you know, a few more feet when when he slows the car down. And I'm just like, I didn't know if he'd seen it. He was driving, you know, he's looking at the road ahead. And he turns to me real slow and he goes, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't know if I saw anything. I didn't know if you, he goes, oh, I absolutely saw that. So he backs up to where we're about where we were when we saw it, and he's got his window down, and he's kind of looking out, and he goes, what do you think that was? And at the time, I used the same measurement. I said, well, it looked like it could have been like a critter from the movie Critters, <laughs> and he rolled his window up so fast. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not saying that I saw a critter that night, but I did see something weird on the side of the road, and we don't know what we saw. We could have, again, if I had gone and told that story and said, oh, it looked like a critter, who's to say that story wouldn't have gotten exaggerated? Yes. And somewhere down the line, someone was like, oh, we have actual critters in Missouri. Yeah, very similar to, to that incident we were just talking about in Loveland. And then there was another time where I think it was me and my brother. I won't say it was the same area, but similar area. It was where I went to high school. We were driving around one night, and I can't remember where we were going. But we we turned a corner, and kind of off to the side of the road, my memory to this day still, in my mind, I see it as a hybrid of a, of an alien and a deer, but a small one, like an antelope or a goat or something like that, you know. But it, it looked like a small deer, but it had like the giant big black eyes and the, the head shape was all wrong. Wow. And again, it was one of those, like we drove past it. I looked at my brother. I'm like, do you see that? And he goes, yeah, that was, that was effing weird, man. <laughs> and we just drove on. And again, what did we see? I mean, in my mind, I remember this weird alien shape. Is that what I saw? Probably not. I probably saw a deer. I probably saw a small deer, or maybe even I saw, you know, a deer with some sort of deformity. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just one of those things. Had I gone and told that story to somebody else, who knows how that would have grown? We could have had another Loveland Frog type story. And then sort of similar to the Loveland Frog story even, my friend Zach told me of one time when he was doing the whole back road thing and they were down by the river. And on the riverside, as he was driving, he saw two points of light appear at one point. And he thought, well, that's weird. Maybe he's a house lights or whatever. But as he drove, they paced the car going up and down gently as if something was walking through the the underbrush, kind of keeping pace with his car. And he said, no matter how fast his car got. They were booking. Those eyes kept kept with him. Now, you know, gravel roads, some of them around here, not well maintained. I don't imagine he was going too fast, but still, let's say you're going 30 miles an hour down a gravel road. Most things shouldn't be keeping up at 30 right. miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. 
So again, these are all situations where somebody drove by, they saw something they couldn't quite explain, and and had we told those stories to the the right people at the right time, they could have grown into legend much as our Loveland Frog has here. So, and we definitely have stories from this part of the country. So, I'll share one quick little story with you. Uh, back when I was probably early teen, mom and dad and us, we were camping down on the Gasconade River, and. Uh, we were floating, but we had kind of pulled off on a gravel bar, I, I think for like to set up supper, you know, have a little bonfire. And it, it was kind of one of those where the gravel bar, the island, if you will, you know, kind of separated and the river went on both sides. So we were kind of there in the middle of the river, so to speak, but there was kind of some rapids on both sides. So you could hear the water and stuff running, but approaching the rapids, I remember again, 13-ish, 14-ish, there was something coming down the water. And it was moving, and I don't mean like swimming. It was twirling up, you know, very haphazardly. And at first, I thought, well, maybe it was a uh, a chunk of a tree or something. It was something at least two, if not three foot in length, and probably almost that wide. I mean, yeah. it, it made a commotion in the water, and I thought, what in the world is this? So I'm kind of standing there. It's it's still sunlight, but it's it's getting to be dusk, and I begin to see ridges. And, and of course, I'm I'm a teenager. I've always been fascinated by this stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this like a river version of the Loch Ness monster? Am I seeing the fins or whatever? Well, as this thing started, you know, getting closer to the the rapids, if you will, and again, I'll use that word loosely. It was just moving current, yeah. but um, the water was probably two foot deep at the deepest point there. And I thought, well, this thing, it's either going to go on the right-hand side or the left-hand side. And I want to be close enough. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what side I need to go on. Um, so it came down on the right-hand side, and I thought, I'm going to be able to see this. I mean, it's it's going to be within six feet of me. I mean, the way the river turns and everything. And I saw scales, and I'm like, okay. At this point in time, it's like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You know, it's like, what in the world is this? Apparently, it was, and I, to this day, I don't know what kind of snake it was, but this thing was like a every bit of four foot long and it had been hit by a boat propeller and you oh. could see the damage and this snake was just like corkscrewing in into the water uh kind of felt sorry for it but uh, not enough to wait out and yeah, you know no. help it or anything but that kind of creeped me out a little bit and I'm, and I'm like okay well it wasn't the Loch Ness but that big of a snake in the water right where we're going to camp for the night that didn't make me feel real safe either yeah yeah and, and, and- <laughs> You know, you, you didn't know what it was at first. And if you'd have just walked away before it got close enough, you know, you, yeah, it yeah. could have been its own legend. Maybe so. You're driving down the road at night. It's dark and there's a wand waving webbed fingered amphibian. So how do you react? I think I react like the driver in the original stories and I just hightail it out of there. Um, any wand waving creature really would kind of probably make me nervous. So, And I'm going to put you on the spot here. You go to work the next day. You <laughs> saw this truthfully. How many people are you going to tell? Oh, I tell everybody. <laughs> you won't believe what I saw yesterday. I would be the same way. Now, of course, people would think that I was drinking or something. But yeah. It's like, uh, were you, what were you partaking yeah. of that evening? What what did, what were you doing last night? But what I would you? tell everybody. <laughs> there would be certain people I would probably be like, yeah, they're not going to believe me. I, I'm not going to bother. But I would I would definitely tell a good portion of, of my uh, direct surrounding friends oh, there, and stuff. There are definitely a lot of people that would be the you – know, you would probably be one of the first, honestly. I'd probably be right on my phone. <laughs> as soon as it happened you're not gonna believe what i saw this is amazing because of course then we'd you know probably do a whole episode about what yeah <laughs> right well without further to do we hope that you've enjoyed tonight's episode of uh, the loveland frog yet 
another example of what you'll find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.